Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Someone writes in, well, I asked for people's favorite Shakespeare plays before. Um, someone writes in, on Shakespeare's plays, the worst one. Didn't ask for the worst one, but that's this is still good. Is Macbeth, uh, because in history, Macbeth was a hero betrayed by his enemies who betrayed Scotland. They were the villains. But Shakespeare did not write history. He told stories that, it seemed, changed at his whim. There you go. Ho, ho, controversial. Maybe we'll do a wee Shakespeare deep dive at some stage over the next few days or weeks. Anyway, the reason that we're talking Shakespeare is because Auckland's Shakespeare in the Park is back for another summer, staging two of the Bard's plays outdoors for the public. This is Auckland Shakespeare in the Park's 28th year running. Wow. They have the goal, of course, of making Shakespeare's works engaging and accessible to audiences of all stripes. And this year... With 27 local actors, the Shoreside Theatre Company is showing two of Shakespeare's comedies, A Midsummer Night's Dream and Measure for Measure. They're on now until February the 17th. Gray Burton is the director of A Midsummer Night's Dream. He's worked in theatre and on screen for over 30 years, and he is with me in the Auckland studio. Kia ora to you. Yeah, good evening, good evening. It's lovely to have you here. Mm, thank you. You're putting on a mid you're directing a midsummer night stream. You've been out watching Measure for Measure tonight. How was it? I have. I was at the opening night tonight. Uh-huh. It's a very strong show. Uh-huh. Very different from a midsummer night stream. It has some really darkly comic moments. It's um also got a lot of tension. It's a very it's very modern, but I think if every every Shakespeare I've been to, I've always thought, "Oh, wow, that's actually happening kind of right now." It's um got some Sort of, it delves into things like hypocrisy, the Me Too movement a little bit is in there as well, um, uh, power over the powerless, um, blackmail, mm. uh, using sex to try and change a verdict. Mm. Um, it's a very powerful play and it's very well performed by the by the crew. I, I didn't... I wasn't privy to any of that process. I was going to ask company. you about that. Whether, whether when you know there are two different plays that are being put on as part of the same kind of thing, whether you talk to the other director about what they are planning so there's no overlap, or whether you kind of want it to be a surprise to be um, to, to really engage with their interpretation of the material. In terms of uh, James Bell and my collaboration, uh, that was really more to do with the stage design and set because that's something that we have to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, it's not one show um, on for a set number of days and then the other show goes on for the set number of days. We had we opened on Saturday, we performed Sunday, and Measure for Measure opened on Tuesday. And in that we decided, oh, we can actually – uh, design a set that can be shared and modular so that it can shift and be different for a Midsummer Night's mm-hmm. Dream and then shift again and be quite different for Measure for Measure. So that was the extent of the collaboration. In terms of performance, we don't really know what each other's companies of actors are 
uh, doing or how they're going to create the play. Mm. So it's a it's quite a mystery for our cast tonight to go and support the opening night for them as it was for them supporting our production opening on Saturday night. I'm just going to jump out of the interview for one second to um, note that the sharp-eared listeners out there might have heard a, a, a naughty word in our previous interview with Amanda Palmer. That completely bypassed me. Um, I do apologise for that. Um, let's just segue that into something useful, Greg. Do people, actors, ever accidentally swear on stage unexpectedly? Well, Shakespeare invented just about every um, <laughs> sixth word in the English language and just about all of the swear words yeah. we use right now yeah. um, from some of the um, most eloquent, like in A Midsummer Night's Dream, the insults are um, uh, the smallest things possible. You bead, you right. acorn, you. To in, uh, I believe in Henry V uh, is the first use of the um, <clears throat> C word. In, right, is that um, right? English Shakespeare invented the C bomb. Well, he used it. I'm not right. sure he invented it, mm. but he used it, in, uh, in, and it's actually used in um, by the princess. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, French princess in it. But um, I, the context may be different. Yes. But for a modern audience <laughs> Indeed. hearing it. Oh, yeah. The, uh, there is, uh, yeah. there is actually, mm. um, just while you were, you were observing that, I, I remember coming across a Shakespeare insult generator website. So oh, I, I just, love that. Yeah, I've just typed that in and it just generates Shakespearean insults. Thou artless flap mothed flap dragon. Oh, I've been called that many times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gee, that really, that really gets you where it, where it hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> now, let me ask you this. You're putting on a Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Do you like the source material? Do you like? Are you a fan of this play? I love this play. Right, In fact, okay. I have directed it before. Uh-huh. Um, f- when I, I was artistic director of the Top of the South um, Shakespeare tour uh, for many years, and it was actually the first one that I staged for that for that tour. I, I love that play, and I love most of the plays that I direct. Mm. Um, or I'd try to fall in love with them. If it's something that I've, say, been commissioned to direct, for example, and I don't know the work very well, then um, I always try to find where I can fall in love with something right? Um, because that helps as a sort of start point because there are points where that you'll hate mm. as well. Yeah. And you've got to try and sort of create a journey mm-hmm. bet- in, in, on that spectrum for everybody so that there's transformation. And it may not be love and hate. It might be um, from ignorance to illumination, for mm. example. But trying to find um, how the audience can transform is kind of the way I start. So I'm trying to look at how the play, the script, the characters transform me when I'm learning about them. Mm. Yeah. When you have directed a play like this before, and particularly when you have a sentimental attachment to it, mm. is it ever tempting to return to your previous interpretation? Do you have to consciously push yourself to make it fresh compared to what you've done before? If you had, a, if I had have done it, say, um, three years after the first time I did it, mm. in, in this case it's about, gosh, uh, 20 years right, it's been since a while. I did it. Yeah. Um, the the further along I've I've gone in my directing process, the more I've relied on the talents of the actors rather than me telling them what to do. Is that right? They 
they really bring it to the fore. I do a lot of shape. I'm very physical, um, choreography kind of based performer. Midsummer Night's Dream really suits me for that because mm. it's it can be very fast paced. There's leaping. There's there's fighting, um, uh, and and so I like to have input about the shape and movement, but then I just kind of focus on making sure the actors know what what the truth is. Why do I even walk on stage? Yeah, <laughs> and then going from there, and then just trying to build relationships because those relationships then they start moving in directions because the relationships take them in directions. And I go, oh, okay, that's actually better. So you do that, and then they might argue with me and say, no, this means this, and I go, oh, does it? Well, then show me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I guess the um, you know the um, the maybe not stereotypical, but the. The com- comedic portrayal of the theatre director is as sort of, you know, control freak, you do it my way, otherwise, who knows? You don't want to find out kind of thing. You, you seem to be suggesting that with time comes the humility to understand that you are but a guide rather than an instructor? Yes, that's a, that's definitely been a part of my process. But also you learn how to have relationships uh, with more... Um, give and take mm. and more active listening and more communication and relationships can form faster so the relationships I have with actors I'm not presupposing ideas I'm just kind of going um, we could try this we could try that as long as we're in agreement on why you're in the scene right Let's yeah. see where it goes. Yeah. And, and and that kind of more active listening. So the more you practice in acting and directing, the more you practice reading each other, talking to each other, and the more relaxed the environment becomes. And it's really um it's really lovely because you kind of build a family. Mm. And I have mm. so I've worked with so many actors that are over the years and directors as an actor mm. that um, I, I just consider uh, my family forever. I may not see them for years and years, mm. but we get the opportunity to um, to 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 really have a, a kind of brotherhood and sisterhood um, of of the storytelling. Mm. And if you do it well, and if you really connect with each other, that story will stay with you forever, and with the people who see it. You opened over the weekend. What a weekend to open on. Whoa, I'll tell you, it was the hottest weekend ever. Can't have been easy to be on stage in that kind of weather. Um, they make it look easy, yeah. honestly. But they're also, for Midsummer Night's Dream, there's another added kind of challenge for them because most of the time, most of the actors have um, quite elaborate masks yeah. on as well, which is a part of our production, which the actors have made themselves. And um, so we have all the fairy king and the fairy queen and Puck. They've all got elaborate headdresses and and masks that are a part of their character Mm -hmm. that glisten with jewels and all sorts of things. But they pulled it off so so well and so easily. And, yeah, they just, again, it's like they just loved it. They pushed on through and the costumes are soaking with sweat. (laughs) They don't... They don't. Um, they don't give a, give it away to the audience. You yeah, know? yeah. It, it it was a culmination of a week of really really hard work from them because we we own we we rehearsed most of the play um, at the tail end of last year mm. and we don't get that much time. All of the actors in Shoreside Theatre are volunteers, 
They're all working outside the working hours mm-hmm. on the show. They've all got families. They've all got lives. And they've committed for about 100, 150 hours of their time between September and December to rehearse the play, okay. to work out the costumes together. We do all of that collaboratively to make the masks, to put the props together, to, to work without a set as well. And then go away for Christmas, then come back in January and have about a week before they have to basically have the show ready so that I can focus on how the lights look. Right, yeah. And how the sound sounds. you get a big job. Direct is a big job. Yeah, Mm. yeah. And and I I tend to, when I direct, also do the design. Mm. I do a lot of the sound design stuff too. I really like getting involved in that element of it because I can I can hear during rehearsal I start to get a, a formation of, of what what the sounds, the undertones, the bridging sounds, the music, what kind of suits and complements what the actors are bringing to the stage. Mm. Yeah. In terms of the setting, mm. um I well first off I imagine a midsummer night stream is quite a good play to set outside in the park. Yeah, it's lovely. We're we're not actually in a park no. though, but it's, it's open air though, right? It is open yeah. air at the um, Pump House Amphitheatre, indeed, indeed, which is a lovely, lovely space. Mm. We're really blessed in Auckland to have um, the Pump House and the Amphitheatre there, um, and and it really is a special experience because it's it's. It's like a, a miniature version of the Greek amphitheatre mm. where the seats are in a horseshoe shape around the stage. It's a round stage that thrusts out and there's um, pathways that go up through the audience and the actors use that. There's platforms on the side, balconies on the side where action can take place. What we've done on the amphitheatre is we've we've raised the stage a little with Rostra mm. and what that's done is... Uh, in an amphitheatre, there's a special spot, and generally in the centre of the amphitheatre, mm-hmm. where you can talk as intimately as you possibly can, and it will reverberate and, and not echo, but it will amplify right, right throughout the theatre. So if you're sitting in the worst seat at the back of the theatre, you will hear it as clear as a bell. Is that no right? microphones. Nothing. Is that a design thing? That's a design Ah, feature of an amphitheatre. By raising the rostra, uh, the the staging area, Mm -hmm. just a little bit, we've actually managed to expand that sound um, quality, that sound amplification. So the sweet spot's now um, a much larger space for the actors Mm -hmm. to actually be able to be more intimate. And that's really helped the production as well. one of the challenging things about putting on a Shakespeare play, I imagine, is um, making it distinctive, making it original. And one of the things that lots of Shakespeare productions do is, is you know, take a play and then transport it into a different time or a different place where the themes still resonate, but the setting is, is very different. I suppose Midsummer Night's theme doesn't really necessarily need to do that because it's already so magical and fantastical. So how have you set it apart? Well, um, I think the masks do actually quite a lot because that that gave us a style um, that we could look at, a physical theatre style that's actually a a contemporary style of Shakespeare's time from Italy, Commedia dell'arte. 
So Commedia dell'arte masks are traditional masks with family troops that would travel around different parts of Italy performing um, plays that were kind of half made up that would incorporate the gossip from the local town that they were performing in. It's the white masks, right? They, the white, they had half the masks yeah. that were all very stylish, big eyebrows, a lot of them, um, big noses. But the, the actual style of the mask was always very similar for each of the stock characters. So the Harlequin character, for example, Harlequino, was always a quite simple mask, but kind of clownish with a clown style. But then you'd have the old miser character that would have the hook nose yeah, yeah, and the right. eyebrows yeah, yeah. And, the, and, the, and the hands would be going. And, and, and um, the ingenue daughter, which would be a simple one with a, with a wig. And, and, and the brigadaccio character that's, that's a braggart that would have full cheeks and a big forehead and be stockier and walk stockier. And, and and so that kind of style, which gives itself a physicality, we've translated into our own set of masks for the characters, and then they get to explore that. So Puck, particularly, who's played by uh, Gus. Gus is only 14 years old. What's Gus's full name, sorry? Gus, um, oh gosh, his last name's escaped oh, me. Um, yeah. but I'll look it up and yes. tell people after the 11 o'clock bulletin. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Gus, he's... Um, almost brand new to full-scale production. Yeah, theater. 14. That's, that's astonishing. And leaping into this, not only the mask role that he plays, which is Park, mm. but uh, most of the actors are playing dual roles. They're playing two roles. So he's also playing a character named Philistrate, which is completely different, mm. out of the mask. Um, Oberon, the king of the fairies, is playing Theseus, the Duke of Athens. And those are, are, are completely different um, styles of um, or, or different character portrayals from the actor Toby, mm-hmm. who's playing that, the same Katie um, Hemus, who plays uh, Titania and Hippolyta. They, they've, it gives them the opportunity to really um, uh, sort of fall into different modes of movement, mm-hmm. different voices, and um, different modes of thought for the characters too as they're telling the story. So it's been a lovely experience to see that develop, and and really that's all their work. Mm. I don't, I don't really show them how to do that or or tell them how to do it. I just try to create environments where they can kind of fall into it and then stumble and then walk and then run. And then gallop. And then fly. And then fly. And some, one of them actually does leap into the air in an um, in a, um, a act of trust and is caught by two other actors on stage during a fight scene. It's, Beautiful. Yeah. We're almost at, uh, at the hour. We've got about 30 seconds left. So very quickly tell people, uh, where do people get tickets and how long is the production running for, please? Uh, we're running, I think, until February the 17th. Mm-hmm. And... You can get tickets at the Pump House Theatre website. Just look for Measure for Measure or A Midsummer Night's Dream. Great stuff. Sounds like a terrific production. I really enjoyed talking to you about that. Gesticulating, you clearly really care about the work. So, um, yeah, it sounds great. Thanks so much for coming in, Gray. Thanks, Emil. It's Gray Burton. Um, A Midsummer Night's Dream is playing at Shakespeare in the Park, and so is Measure for Measure. Both of them well worth your time. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.